Welcome to the Flourishing in Christ podcast, part of the Vine, the Trellis and the Crow teaching series. You're listening in to conversation with conversations with leaders across City on a Hill. They're sharing their wisdom and experience in pursuing more of Jesus through the spiritual disciplines. It was French philosopher Blaise Pascal that said, nothing gives rest but the sincere search for truth. If you're new here, City on a Hill is a movement of churches committed to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is full of grace and full of truth. Which means today as we focus on Jesus, we are very well postured in today's conversation, this week's episode, The Spiritual Discipline of Rest. My name is Louis. I'm from City on a Hill, Surf Coast. Today, you are in the room with two magnificent ministry maestros from Melbourne, Emily Lancaster and Brent Sanjayatilika. How are we doing, maestros? Hi. That's that's a lot of M's. You like those M's? Doing well. Yeah, that's M's. Is that a, mm, I'm loving it moment? Mm. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Mm. M is the double M. 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 <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good right? here in Melbourne. Yeah, that was the first question, wasn't it? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're doing well. Me too. We're doing well. It's fun. It's a bit cold, but it's okay. It is. No. That's right. Yeah. Being Brenton, uh, we've worked together on the Melbourne team for five years, six years? Six years. Ten million years? Yeah. Um, but we don't often get to work hand in hand with things, uh, so this is a little bit of fun. Mm. Well, I've Yeah. Yeah. It's a good gift to be able to talk about rest today. Yeah. Uh, Brenton, yes. they've heard from me a lot. Um, who are you? What makes up your family? What, make, take, uh, what takes up your time during the week? Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm a minister slash pastor here at Melbourne and uh, love our church. It's mm. a wonderful group of people who are really seeking to love Jesus and just really enjoy our people. Um, I have three children, Lucy, Teddy, and Margot, married to Lauren, and at the moment, a lot of my schedule outside of ministry is taken up by children's sports. <laughs> we hit that Excellent. lexicon of life now. So basketball, footy. I'm actually going to start coaching footy this weekend. Really? Yeah, but I played in one game my entire life. I was going to ask. But I don't know how this is going to go, but it'll be a lot of fun either way. Uh, what? We're a movement of churches across all of Australia, Brenton. When you say footy, can you clarify the um, oh, yes. code? Yes, AFL, Australian Rules Football. Uh, not the one in the line, the one that's a bit chaotic. Not the one in the line? Yeah, the rugby. Oh, rugby, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what line? I'm also not great at football. <laughs> I think I've also played one game in high school and then was like, oh, I think soccer is more my speed. Um, well, we yeah have been talking about different spiritual disciplines and then when thinking about resting in Jesus, um, I think Louis was like, we should talk to Brenton. Um, and that was a couple of weeks ago uh, that we were kind of brainstorming and thinking about it. Um, and I remember initially when I asked you if you wanted to do it, um, there was a little bit of a chuckle and then your wife was like, huh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, talk, us through, talk us through that. Well, I think it's 
it's probably uh, through that comment. It should be clear to everybody. I'm no expert practically on rest. Mm. I uh, I have gone through seasons where I've done it really well. Mm -hmm. Most of my seasons have not been done well. But this has been a great exercise for me just to go back to kind of the my roots in mm -hmm. rest and what does what does it what's it actually mean? Why is it important? And uh, why we command it yeah. from scripture to do it. Mm -hmm. So if you have to like kind of Oh and I I reckon you've I reckon you're gonna say what I'm about to say. Because Brendan, you asked the questions. Can you answer your own questions here? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're giving M and I a rest. Uh because you've already asked the next two questions. So what is it? What does it mean? <laughs> what does what does rest mean? Yeah. Like what well, I, uh, yeah, so going back and trying to think this through about how I, th I think about rest, I, to give a bit of background on me, I used to play a lot of basketball, played it in a lot of different arenas and different spaces. So for me, a rest day meant taking a day away from playing hoops, resting your body, taking naps, that kind of thing. But well, when I became a Christian, there's a, there was a whole different realm that rest of what rest looked like. Mm -hmm. And, um, as I was kind of thinking about this question, I, I, my mind just went back to how, how do you actually build out what the Bible has to say about rest? And um, I think you start with that idea, Genesis chapter one, right? Actually, God starts by work. And in the beginning, God created. He started to work. So um, you've, got, you've got this kind of um, parallel work and rest that God does. Obviously, on the seventh day, he gets to that point where he takes a day of rest or ceasing mm. from doing any form of work. Um, you then go, you know, in the Exodus, uh, book of Exodus, then you then see um, when uh, Moses commands the people, they're just uh, wandering around in the desert. They receive this manna from heaven from God and Moses commands the people to stop and rest yeah. on the seventh day from collecting any of the bread. Um, you know, our, man, our Jewish ancestors really did this well. They, they had days of rest. They had weeks of rest. They had years of rest where they'd like rest the whole field and the land from um, doing any kind of work. So mm. there's, a, there's a great pattern throughout scripture that shows us rest is something that's important to God. Um, when you get to the New Testament too, you see that in Jesus. Mark's a great example of um where you see Jesus taking time away from ministry to go up on a mountain to pray regularly. He calls his disciples to rest regularly. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of examples in scripture that point us to what rest really looks like. I think. Yeah. How have you translated that from understanding uh, biblically and having like a biblical theology of rest mm. um, and then translating it into your personal walk with Jesus. Mm, um, so like when thinking about, yeah, resting in Jesus, how does having a good understanding of rest help you do that? And then what does that look like? Yeah. Gosh, this is a, I kind of want to ask the two of you this question. Right? <laughs> it's, there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of great ideas out there and yeah. I'm certainly not the expert on them. Um, I think there's lots of different ways to rest mm. and different ways I've tried to implement in the, that in my life. Um, uh, I think some of the tangible ways of what rest looks like, I think you can kind of break it down into different categories, um, like emotional rest, mental rest, 
physical rest. Uh, calendar rest is another one. I mean, how do you rest your time? How do you give your time to rest? Mm. Um, you know, and I think rest looks different for lots of other people. Like, for example, for me, rest looks like um, uh, getting into a, a really good book some days. And other days, rest looks like me going down to the uh, the park and kicking the soccer ball with my son. Mm. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of different ways that I can like tangibly rest my body and my mind and my emotions. Um, but then there's that other type of rest that I again back to what the Bible has to say, and that's that spiritual type of rest. Um, you know, when Jesus says. Uh, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Uh, he's actually not talking about ceasing from work there. He's actually speaking to a different form of rest that we can always have in him. And that's the one that I think is really quite challenging to explore and looks different for lots of different people. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so I, as one example, I think about like the single mother who has... Uh, a million and one things to do and is responsible for children. And, you know, that emotional, mental, physical calendar rest can, could ultimately be unattainable in a lot of different seasons. And so what does rest look like for that person? Um, does that negate what the Bible has to say for that one particular individual? I don't think so. I think Jesus is, is talking about a different kind of rest. We can probably get into that some more, but. What about you guys? How, what does rest look like for you? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a... I try to... Uh, a lot of these questions, especially the, especially the spiritual disciplines, I, um, I try to put my thinking forward and, um, and ask myself how... How will I be thinking about rest on the side of eternity? Like, yeah. if I'm not if I'm not corrupted by, you know, the sin, my own you know fleshly nature and my sinfulness that wants to take God's good gifts and turn them into idols, how what does what does what then does rest look like? Um, or yeah, how how does the um, how does Jesus turn the wisdom of rest? into um, gospel-centered rest, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I think I try to think about the goal of it more than, uh, more than the actual practice of it. So once I know what the goal is, then the practice becomes fluid. Um, so for me, I think that the goal comes down to how do I find a sense of renewal in the, in the gospel how does the how does how does the picture of the gospel, the finished work of Jesus, um, lead me to a place of where I'm going to be replenished and renewed? Um, and that'll help me answer that question from an emotional perspective, a spiritual perspective, a physical perspective. Um, uh, you know, I guess I would probably probably lean on the side of being more of an introvert, like I would recharge on my own. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I can find a time a time away on my own to do something active, very renewing. And uh, and and keeping in mind the whole that that time is like, I'll I'll frame it in my own head to be like I'm going to go hang out with Jesus for a while, just you know, um, a board meeting with Jesus. Uh, you know, that the board may be PU and fiberglass and sitting on water. Uh, 
<laughs> a surf boat. <laughs> Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Um, Mate, that actually took me like a couple of seconds. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's for our Gold Coast and surf coasters. Um, Wollongong too, maybe. Um, but yeah, there's uh, so I guess there's that, but then there's sometimes there's rest, which is like, actually, I don't need to do anything physical right now, but um, to rest and find renewal uh, with Jesus is, um, is, is actually forcing myself to be like, I'm going to sit down and just read a psalm and slow, slowly digest that thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and finding rest in that in that way. So I, in many ways, I think it can be reactive. I think that the important thing is at least like be regular, um, and uh, and I think work work from a posture of rest. Don't work for rest is probably how I think about these things too. Um, and it's an incredible act of faith. I feel as well mm. because we look at our calendar and we're like, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, who will? Who will? Who will? But actually, it's 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 a it's for me it's a good practice practicing of my theology of the sovereignty of God, <laughs> like, and He cares more about the church, my family, uh, you know, everything around me more than I do. So, all right, I'll go. Let's go. Let's go. Chill out, Jesus. Um, yeah. I'm often convicted by up oh, shameless plug for conference next year. John Tyson's quote. He's speaking, by the way. Um, <laughs> He's got this phrase where he says, "Sitting on the couch eating day, sitting on the couch eating day old Chinese food, is in, uh, watching Netflix is incredibly relaxing, but is it renewing?" And so there's where I go, "Whoa, okay, here's the difference between rest, like you know, sabbath, sabbath, like you know, I'm sorry, Hebrew listeners, and um, and then just relaxing." So that's that's a rambly answer to your question. Over to you, Em. <laughs> I um I took a a class a pastoral care class at the top of the year, uh, which was all it was actually about burnout, self care and resilience. Um, interestingly enough, it was my, my most hectic semester ever. <laughs> Mostly irony <laughs> <in the> class. <laughs> the irony of it was just like I am crawling over the finish line here. Um, but one of I think one of the top lines that I took out from it. Um, from our lecturer, who's an incredible man, um, was self-care has been trivialized by society. Um, It's been cheapened and that true self-care often looks like self-denial. And that's like what you got me thinking with that that Tyson quote and then just thinking, uh, Brenton, about like your idea behind like calendar, physical, emotional, like all of those different things. Um, is that it's just that me taking that active decision to do something that actually might require energy, but it gives energy in return. Um, and so that's, I think that's part of like my practical approach to rest this year has not been like, I'm just going to disappear at a book while sometimes that's actually really necessary and that's okay. Um, like I don't want to, I don't want to shame that because I think there's um, there's real beauty in being able to take that space. Um, but sometimes it's actually putting the book down and going to bed or it's that getting up early to go on that extra long walk to be able to just like be uh, with God and be present with him in a different arena. Um, and so that's, that's something that I've been thinking through this year and one of the really practical ones is having good boundaries with work, uh, with responsibility helps me trust God 
which helps me rest. Mm. Um, and so, and like that's a little bit easier with the stage of life that I'm in to draw really strong boundaries around my time because um, there's I'm there's no one competing for it. So I recognize that that's the privilege that I have in this moment. Yeah. Um, but like with work, I love my job. I love my team. I love this church. I love who God is gathering in Melbourne. I love who is gathering in Surf Coast and in the Gold Coast and across. Um, but I actually think one of the best ways that I can love the church that I'm ministering to is having good boundaries and trusting God with things that I might have to put down mm. in the moment. Yeah. Um, and that actually builds a sense of rest. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so just thinking through, like, who is Jesus really? Like, he deeply loves his father and he went away and he spent time with him. Um, and he also went away with people mm. and spent time with them and pointed them to him. Mm. Um, and so having those safe friendships where uh, you can rock up to their house and sit on their couch for hours and laugh and build deep relationship helps me rest in Jesus. Uh, it's not in isolation. It's not in withdrawal. Um, but I think he's okay with that is where I've come, uh, come to. Uh, so, and then, so Brenton, you, you mentioned that there, cause I think we've talked even just from the three of us, different perspectives on how we do this. Um, you mentioned that there's been seasons where you haven't done it well, but seasons that you have done it well. For you personally, as a son of God, if you can think of the times where you have done it well, how did he meet you in those moments? How was he present to you? Yeah. Gosh, there's um, there's a couple of ways I I could probably think about that. If I'm just thinking about a most recent time for Mm -hmm. me, I... I would say that this moment of rest was kind of brought upon me. Um, mm. uh, if I'm getting, maybe just getting a little personal here, but um, I, I'm an epileptic, so every now and then I'll, I'll have seizures. And about a month or so ago, I had two back-to-back, which is like putting mm-hmm. your body through two car crashes yeah. in, uh, in the space of 30 minutes. Whoa. And so I was, I was laid down for about a month. Poor <laughs> uh, sabbatical. Forced sabbatical, yeah. And but having said all of that, I, I think I learned so many things about rest during that season. Yeah. One was how how often would I give myself that amount of time to rest? I probably can't in this season, you know, with with kids and and life and ministry and all those things. Um, but what I did learn is that when mm-hmm. when I do get those moments, to actually not have the ability to focus on anything other than just Asking God lots of questions. Why am I here? What am I doing? Why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? God, what are you trying to say to me? And just putting some passages of scripture on repeat, spending really a, a lot of time in prayer, um, and not having any kind of agenda either. That's been, those have been some of those moments um, where I, I wish I could take the credit for it and say, oh, you know, planned this month out a year ago and now I've you know been able to meet with the Lord and now I'm filled back up and mm. here we go. It was actually in a very stressful season that, that all of that. 
um, that would be like one moment. But I'd also say too, and I think this is kind of where Jesus is trying to get to when he talks about, you know, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. It's just that the everyday moments that you get to have rest in Jesus. So, you know, he goes on that passage to say, um, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You know, taking that yoke is actually an allusion to work, right? You put a, uh, a, a wood bar over your, over your shoulders and you're learning from Jesus the lessons that he teaches you. That's a form of work. But he does say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So in, the, in every day, how are we looking and trying to, to learn from Jesus in that yeah. form of rest? Um, one example for me is, you know, I, I catch public transport a lot. And um, oftentimes I'll use that time to work, but there's this brief moment between the bus stop and my front door <laughs> where I'm just walking home and it's a time where I try to intentionally make all three. As I'm walking to the house, as I'm about to go into the door, God help me as I open up this door to be present for my kids, be present for my wife, and allow me to see Jesus in them and in what I'm about to do. And that might be my one moment of rest that I get throughout the day. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. Is to how, do we, how do we follow him throughout the course of our day and find moments of rest, even if that means you're in the middle of something. And um, I think what that's helped me realize is it's taken a lot of the guilt away from those moments where I haven't been able to be regular in Bible study. I didn't get up early at six this morning to read or pray. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of reframed how I've thought about rest. Yeah. Love to hear your reflections, Brenton. <clears throat> The idea of a spiritual discipline of rest, like the discipline of rest, like the, uh, that sounds like an oxymoron, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to discipline myself to rest. I mean, and, yeah. and a lot of athletes, you know, sort of know this language. I think you alluded that before in basketball. How do you think of this as a, like, what's the, Oh yeah, the thing you go through your head is thinking of this as a spiritual discipline. Does that language make it easier or harder to engage in this practice of pursuing Jesus? Yeah. No, I, I think it's actually really apt because uh, rest is work. Mm. It takes work to to find those times of rest, and mm. many people don't get it. I mean, don't have the ability to get it. Um, but if you're if you're able to look at your calendar and, and carve out some moments. Um, so for me, for example, because I work in ministry and this is just, a, again, a privilege of what I get to do, there's, there's often a, um, I try to bake in a, a whole day one in during the, a, the quarter of a year to get away from the laptop, to get away from the phone and to go sit somewhere, um, preferably outside, and spend a day just reflecting on what God's doing in me, what God's got for our church, uh, what God's doing in our people. Um, I'm usually better at that in the warmer months than I'm in the cooler months. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to get outside when it's raining in Melbourne. Um, but I'll often come back from those days exhausted because prayer can be exhausting. 
Am I allowed to say that? I'm a pastor. Prayer is exhausting. You know, you're, you're putting a lot of things before God and it can, it can look like that. But mm-hmm. I do like the discipline of trying to make that happen in my, uh, my week or my quarter. And uh, while, it, while it can be restful oftentimes, there's oftentimes it cues off. Do you find that you need to, like in those moments where it's it's feeling like work, like sitting with like a prayer and that intentional going away? What do you what do you do when you catch yourself being distracted because it's exhausting? Because I'm assuming at least I do, so I'm assuming you do too. Like, what do you? How do you bring yourself back and be intentional in that, or do you just let yourself? Do you let your mind wander? Like, what do you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it it's tricky, isn't it? Because um, we just we live in a culture that's so full of noise mm. all the time. Um, actually, th- there's this great uh, there's this great quote in C.S. Lewis's book, Screw Tape Letters. If you haven't read the Screw Tape Letters, I, I highly recommend it to you because it's. Such a prophetic book. It's of this, this senior demon, Screwtape, who is writing letters to his his nephew, Demon Wormwood. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're plotting and scheming. He's trying to give him tips as to how to best torment uh, the person that he is, uh, you know, being close to. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote this quote down to, to speak to it because I thought it was so, it just so spoke to where we are, I think, in our culture today. This is what... Um, the senior demon tells his, his younger demon, he says, one of the best weapons is the kingdom of noise. If you can keep him well informed about what is going on everywhere except himself, you may hope to separate him from everything that could make him inwardly quiet holy. Mm. And later he says, we will make the whole universe, the whole universe a noise in the end. That was written like back in the 40s. <laughs> and I don't know if C.S. Lewis thought we'd ever have cell phones one day or mobile phones, but um, isn't that true? Like our, our whole world is a kingdom of noise mm-hmm. and finding those moments to try to drown it out is even more challenging now, I think, than it's ever been. And so get to get back to your question, Em, I think it's good to realize that because if we try to pretend like we can really just shut everything out, then I think we're probably setting ourselves up for failure. Mm. You do really have to allow yourself to not do this well. Yeah. And that will help you in those moments to realize, hang on, that that urge for me to get to my pocket and pull that phone out is real. And I need, I need to work against that to leave it in there and try to center myself back in the moment once. To say to me, it is a reality that we live in, and I, I don't know if there's mm. much escaping it. Yeah. Mm. A question I have for both of you. Look out. Here we go. Um, is like we've been talking a lot about like that scheduled time, that that space away, um, being very intentional in that. Um, what what has helped you as parents? to do that well in uh, like for your own personal journey, like that's really important. Um, 
like for like where have you been intentional with rhythms with for the sake of your wives and their personal walks with Jesus and needing the space away um yeah how do you how do you navigate that because your time is just it is spoken for by well for each of you but there's five people <laughs> you know under the roof um and I feel like I just have a lot of friends who have these amazing families and we talk about things like this and then they're like, oh, I just don't feel like I have time. And I'm obviously very limited in how I can support. And so I try to like come alongside and hang out and like hold the babies and have fun. Um, you are really good at that, Em. I do love holding your babies. It's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, just I'm just trying to be a fake auntie to like as many kids oh, as possible. Oh, you're a real auntie. Yeah, really. uh, a real auntie. Uh, but yeah, like how do you guys navigate that um, as parents, as husbands. Louis is the expert. I'm not that expert. <laughs> I can take a first swing if you want. You can fill in the yeah. gaps. Um, okay. oh, it's a massive question, Em. It's a really good question, though. Um, I'm going to give uh, maybe some principles and some practices that I try and um, not in order of uh, whatever, not a specific order. The first thing I think about is um, to do it, to in, input those rhythms in with your family. Um, talk about it as a family. Um, I mean, I hope that my, I hope that Esther is encouraged that when I sit down with her and the kids after dinner and be like, hey, girls, sorry, I've got three girls. Hey, girls, uh, daddy's thinking about how we can be best spending time together and um, how um, we can be having having enough time so that we can just be pro we use the language of processing our emotions quite a lot like um uh and you know there's reasons for that um and so out of those conversations when we come back to that we sort of talk about an ideal week you could use that you could use rule of life language in that um but we have just i asked the girls i'm like what are the what are the best th- what are the things that you enjoy the most like I didn't want to like come up with my own plan and be like, oh, actually, my kids don't even like that. Mm. <laughs> so it turns out my kids love getting picked up from school by both mummy and daddy at the same time. So, right, Friday we do that. Um, and I was just like, and I asked, do you like daddy dropping you off? And they're like, yeah, we love that. So I do that one day a week as well, um, which is a massive luxury in the work that I have um, that I can do that. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's making up for it because um, they don't really get Saturday afternoon with daddy. Um obvious reasons or you know or or even sunday afternoon a lot of the time um and then also talking with esther about that like and i say to her so you know esther you know god's called me to lay down my life for you so i'm going to start with my calendar um what are the things that are most rejuvenating for you she loves to run so i'm like great when do you want to run and so we put all of those things in the calendar and i'm like awesome i'll be i'll i'll make that work for you and i'll have the kids so she gets the first fruits of my time um, and so I, I guess I lay down everything and I'm like, okay, so kids, wife have these opportunities for connection, um, and family. And then I look at my own calendar and go, okay, so what's that going to look like for me? Um, and look, I was sort of having these conversations before I was in ministry, like when I was working as a physio, I was figuring this out back then it was the in-between space on the way home from work was like, I'm going to find that rest time. You know, usually it was like sitting in the car for the last 10 minutes before I went inside and just, uh, you know, breathe in, breathe out. And then it was also for me that back then it was going to the gym for, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes just to sort of recalibrate and 
I was that weirdo that was listening to Bible readings whilst you know doing bicep curls. So whatever, I was destined to pass. So there's, I guess, there's the schedule that you organise together with your family, which helps. The second principle that I think is really important is like just uh, grill yourself on what you think is a reasonable expectation of life. Um, like really interrogate your soul. Um, so one thing that Esther and I are just, we, we're just like, I mean, I chuckled before, Brenton, you're like, we're, we're the parents that do sport with all of our kids. And um, and Esther and I, we've talked with the kids and we're like, what do you really want to do? And and I was like, oh, do you, you want to do a dancing or ballet or sport? And they're like, oh, we just want to do this. Like, great. So we're like, we're not going to do any sport. Instead, Saturday morning, we're going to do daddy-daughter dates. That's just what we do. So instead of taking them all to the football, I'll, you know, we, I take them out for, a, you know, for a coffee, whatever. Um, <laughs> they they get the decaf. Um, Got it. Winifred, Got it. she wants full caffeinated. Anyway, but <laughs> as if she needs it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, does she need it? Yeah, as if she needs it. Uh, so yeah, there's these there's these expectations that we put in ourselves that we have to have these specific things in our calendars to be this flourishing Western family. And it's just like mm-hmm. that you don't like. It's just like you don't need it. You don't you don't need a TV. Like you don't need Netflix. Like um, and and income all of the in- emails for this podcast. Yeah. But it's just like <laughs> it's it's just like you don't need to do all these wonderful wacky things. It's just like hang out, spend time. It can be really simple. Um, anyway, so there's a couple of things. Just interrogating actually how we're filling our calendars can be really, I think, helpful and illuminating. It's kind of like when you go camping and you're like, what did we actually miss? After a week away in a canvas tent, you're like, we didn't need half of that stuff. So anyway, that's people probably have a very different view of this sort of monastic. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, anyway. Over to you, Brenton. <laughs> no, that's all really good, Louis. Um, I think the only thing I would add to that is uh, I, I like to listen to my family as well mm. and try to figure out, mm. without even talking to them, what are some of their, what are some of those things that they are finding refresh them mm. and draw them near to Jesus. So. Um, for my wife, for example, sometimes that's just hanging out with a with really good Christian friends. Mm. It happens to be one of them. So whether or not that means they, you know, go somewhere together and watch a movie or a show or something like that, or they go out to the shops or whatever, just finding those kinds of moments where she's able to connect with good Christian friends is, I'm always looking for those yeah. because I know that's how she likes to recharge. Um with our kids, you know, that they do love the sports. They do love doing all of that. And that, it's a great moment for them to connect with friends as well. But just recently for Lucy and Teddy, uh, my nine and six-year-old, I've I've noticed that they, they actually have really been enjoying reading the Bible, mm. which I cannot say has happened uh, up until this point. And I'm a pastor, so, you know, I, maybe I won't be after this podcast, but... Um, <laughs> It's been it's been wonderful to like it's been it's just been an absolute joy. You know, one of the things we used to do. You mentioned the daddy daughter dates, uh, Louis. We and we we do this. We try to do this regularly on Saturday mornings. My kids love McDonald's pancakes. Mm. 
Mm. So it's a great way to bribe my kids into reading the Bible. So we'll we'll go get McDonald's pancakes and we'll spend some time in God's Word and we'll draw out, you know, draw pictures of what the story was. We've we've almost got through the whole book of Mark together. And they love it because they get pancakes, but then they're also really enjoying doing something that they love, um, which is drawing and then also getting to read the Bible with dad. And, you know, I don't get those moments all the time. Sometimes they go kicking and screaming to McDonald's or they just want to eat the pancakes and (laughs) they don't want to do the Bible stuff. But it's finding those rhythms that are, uh, and trying to listen to your kids to where we're not, you're not trying to force anything upon them, but Mm. finding those great moments. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny the like you taking your kids to Maccas. The things that you learn as a pastor's kid 30 years later. Like, because that's what dad, like, we also went to Maccas oh. on Tuesday afternoons and mum would have a class. Is this a Christian thing that I just like? I'm like, is this, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just, I'm, I, you're talking and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, that's what was happening. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm being like confronted with my childhood. Uh, and understanding the, the rhythms of, of, of a pastor. Um, I think that's it. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, man. I'm just really thinking that, that discipleship towards the pearly gates starts with the golden arches. Oh, there it is. <laughs> sorry for Father's Day. It, it is here. <laughs> but it, like, I think that's helpful to hear from you guys in that. And I'll be honest, I think I'm going to like slightly gentle rebuke myself here. Of, because I I listen to podcasts and I'm like ah, oh, like they. We also often assume that single people have all this time, mm. and so I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you really do have to fight for these moments, and they're really, it's really different, so that they're not likes alike. Mm. Um, but I know with Breads and we've talked, I've talked about this a lot with you, um, over the years of just kind of that expectation that single people finish work and then they have just endless time. Um, and so thinking through like people who live on their own, um, either by choice or not, you know, are doing everything for themselves. And there are just times where like you don't have support, which means you don't have people championing you to encourage you. Like what, like um, for my friends who like to run, they don't have Louis being like, Hey, you love to run. Awesome. Let's make sure that happens. Like it's very, it's very self-directed and I listen to podcasts where people forget that and then I get to the end of it and I'm like, no, like you didn't, ask, like yeah. you didn't do the thing that, and then I was doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I think part of that is like living in intentional community yeah. is really helpful of like, who do you find the people that are going to champion your walk with Jesus? Um, and that is, I think, spouses and friends. Yes. You know, like it's really important that Esther and LJ have people coming alongside of them that aren't you guys and be like, hey, like what is helping you love Jesus at the moment? Like how can I help you do that? Um, And thinking that through for the person who is on their own might have really robust and good, like I have a very robust community. I'm very blessed um, in that. And as an introvert, like I don't mind living alone. Like it's it's not the worst thing. Um, But then thinking through you know, to have healthy relationships, you you have to go out a lot. Um, and so, like, for me to see my friends, I often have to get in my car, drive to their house, spend the time, and then still drive home. And so there's there's elements of different logistics at play. Um, 
And so I really want to encourage people who aren't in the family boat, yeah. but are they in the other boat of who are the people who can help you make time and help you be really accountable to it. Mm. Um, and so a while ago, some friends and I had like a Friday friends chat because we all had Fridays off and there would be times that we would Sabbath together or let the others know like, hey, I'm Sabbathing. Would anyone be up for a walk as a part of that day? And that just like really good accountability yeah, of that space. Because um, that was, re- and that's really restful. Like some of my friends just love bushwalking. Like that's not necessarily my happy place, but she's a raging extrovert. And if she wants company, they're like, I want to come alongside of you and, and love you in that and help you with that. Or like some people are really creative. And so like they want to just be creative on a day and do it um, in their walk with Jesus. And that's really life giving. Um, and so I just wanted to like, I just wanted to add that in because I thought I've done the thing that I don't appreciate um, and not and in the sense of not creating a full picture. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I want to double click on that one. And because I click. think um, you're right, married folks often do fall into that trap of thinking, oh, a single person has so much more time or gosh, if I was only single again, I'd have all this extra time to do things. Well, and you're a great example of this because I think, you know, Paul, I'm going to totally paraphrase this, but Paul, when he talks about marriage, he, he sees this as a calling and not many people can get to it because if you are single, you have more, you, you're not, you don't have this wrestle with mm. um, having a family to take care of. Um, and you actually have, more time to devote to the things of the Lord. And you could make the argument then that single people should be busier mm. in a sense and have a lot more responsibility and have a lot more time to devote to the things that God really wants to see happen in his kingdom in the world. And you model that really well. I think you 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 show that just in the way that you do ministry and the way that you think about our families, and my family in particular, but I know we're not the only ones that you look after. So... I I want to just commend that to you, but also to a lot of our single people at our church. I think there's there is a massive responsibility that are on your shoulders, and we we don't um, often recognise that as much as we could be. And one of them is prioritising rest. Yes. And so I think this has been really helpful to look at rest broad, like biblically, but then also broadly in the practice um, for some sport. For some, it's surfing. For some, it's being creative. For some, it's being with people. For some, it's not. For some, it's drawing good boundaries. Um, and so, yeah, like, I think this has been perhaps a rounder conversation that I was anticipating coming into, but I think really quite helpful in equipping equipping us as we go forward. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Brenton. Thanks, Sam. We certainly have um, we've, uh, covered a lot today under the theme of rest. Um, but yeah, if we bring it back to Brenton, what you said before, it was Jesus that said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's anything you do after this podcast today, uh, you should Google image what a yoke looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find a picture of 
not one, but two cattle walking together. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it means that whatever your rest looks like, whatever your activity is, whatever it is you think you're pulling along, you will be standing next to Jesus and he will be bearing the weight of that with you. Uh, So we want to encourage you this week, today, and whatever way that you seek to lean into and continue to pursue the spiritual discipline of rest, um, make sure that whatever it is, you're standing next to Jesus. So you're close to be able to hear his voice and you can sense his presence and you're able to see his smile because that's the good news of the gospel. God welcoming us home because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of the great gift of his love, mercy and grace to us through his finished work. Um, and man, the rest to come because of all of that, our glories. Well, you've been listening to the Vine, the Trellis and the Crow Flourishing in Christ podcast. He was sitting on a hill. Big thanks to Brenton and M. And uh, we'll be back again soon. Pleasure. Yeah. Bye.